Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, hello, everyone. This is your co-host, Jack Humphrey, with another edition of Leverage Masters. Gina is out sick today, unfortunately, so I'm holding down the fort. I'm pushing buttons and interviewing today, so there could be some weird things. Just be forewarned, it happens sometimes. We have a great guest today. His name is Arthur Samuel Joseph, founder and chairman of the Vocal Awareness Institute, and today is widely recognized as one of the world's foremost communication strategists and authorities on the human voice, which makes me really paranoid that he's just analyzing me right now. He probably can't <laughs> help it. <laughs> a renowned teacher and mentor, Mr. Joseph's mission is to change the world through voice. His trademark proprietary voice and leadership training program, Vocal Awareness, is designed to teach communication mastery through a disciplined regimen of highly specific techniques designed to cultivate and embody and enhance leadership presence as well as personal presence through body language techniques, vocal warm-ups, and storytelling skills. What emerges is an integrated and integral communication style. And while we're, while we're getting started here today, everybody listening, go to vocalawareness.com and just check out the who's who because that's another intimidation point for my guests with me today <laughs> is, holy cow, you're not going to believe who this guy has worked with and this storied huge career that he's had uh, thus far. So, Arthur, welcome to Leverage Masters. I would think after that long introduction, our show is almost over. My goodness gracious. Thank yes, you so thank much. Thank you so much for showing up today. Yeah, it was a great talk, really. I think we've really gotten to know you well. <laughs> no, we have an hour. We have an hour, and I think we're going to need every minute of it uh, because I have a lot of questions for you. But we have to start out with the way we do with everyone every week, and that is we heard the introduction, but we don't know anything about what's burning in your belly right now. What's getting you out of bed these days ready to greet the day? What a wonderful question. My goodness gracious. Well, it was my birthday in January, and it began my 53rd year since I created Vocal Awareness. And voice is power, and my mandate has never changed from the one you shared with your audience a moment ago. It is to change the world through voice. But in these days of, the, of what we're struggling through, in our country, what is happening globally, helping us gain sovereignty over our own lives. Sovereignty means supreme excellence or an example of it. Helping us to feel as safe, secure as possible is what gets me up in the morning. I am so privileged to have been given this work and it is my passion. It is my life's work. And to help people around the globe understand what is truly possible when 
we simply get in touch with what I call a conscious loving breath or a piece of the work we may explore today, visceral language, where we learn to make voice visual, conveying and connecting the emotion of what we're saying through the words that we speak or how to warm up our voices, or how to do anything. That's what gets me up in the morning. And I teach in this work, Jack, then I'll come up for air, is sociologists tell us the greatest fear in society is public speaking. That's a complete misnomer. For any sociologist listening in, I'm sorry for being so direct. The greatest fear, however, are two fears. Fear of abandonment and ownership of our power. Claiming who we are without flinching. That's what this work is about. When we hold our breath, when we look away, when we wonder what others might be thinking, which we're never going to know anyway unless we can read minds, we're in the white noise. So through vocal awareness, I teach empowerment through voice, mindful leadership, so that we can, to the best of our ability, live life on our terms and make a difference because we are here. Wonderful. I, I am fascinated by people like you who are, have a deep, deep, deep expertise in something that people take for granted and have a surface level understanding. And then someone like you comes on the show with, with, voice and and uh, you immediately start looking at your site and looking at your videos on YouTube and you see a long history of how you have really treated this profession and 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 how deep it really is I mean it's a it's on the surface just a very basic thing voice and presence and 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 <laughs> but it's so you know you immediately just now went into a lot of stuff that i think a lot of people would never associate with you on the surface when they when you know and the work that you do yet that's really what it is and immediately as you go through your material and you look through um your work it's very apparent how deep this all goes and how extraordinarily important it is. Yet we've only had one person like you on our show in years, and that's you. It's kind of strange. And, you know, speech is habit. I've had the privilege over the years to teach a, a great number of superstar performers, athletes. I myself have a master's in voice. I'm a classical singer by training. And so everything I do is influenced through art. And this coming August 5th in, I don't know what date actually, this coming August in Canton, Ohio, my 19th and 20th students will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I only share that because if anybody goes on YouTube and wants to see wonderful examples of this work and their football fans Take a look at Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, Marshall Falk. Last year, LaDainian Tomlinson, whose speech went viral. Terrell Davis. This year, it will be Ray Lewis and others. It, Brian Erlacher. And, and you will see 
them not just deliver the message, but embody the messenger. I write their speeches with them, and but I write them in their voice, so it's not as told to. It really is channeled through them. And, and one of the points that I want to make about this, Jack, is that because speech is habit, nobody thinks about it. We don't actually realize mm. how much work it takes to be ourselves while others watch. But in vocal awareness, we understand this matrix. I say to every athlete that I teach in a first lesson, you bring the talent or the gift to your sport, but someone has actually taught you every single thing you do. Without Without that training, your talent or gift would be wasted. But who teaches us how to be us? And so I'm helping us reclaim our possibility. We're sitting in church, temple, Hmm. synagogue, somewhere as infants being held by a loved one. And we go gaga and goo-goo because that's one of the ways we explore our world is through our voice. And this loved one gently pats us on her back and says, And the socialization, the socialization process begins. We begin to shut down before we even begin to open up. And then as we go through childhood and life happens, when we become adults, we think we've chosen to be this, when in point of fact we actually abdicated many years ago. And since we live in a culture where perception is reality, doesn't matter what's true. It's merely what we perceive it to be. And now with what's going on in Washington, we are losing the art of public discourse. And we, we accept this individual in the White House. And this is not a political statement. It's we are responsible we've abdicated and so I'm doing impersonations of the 1980 move 1987 88 movie whatever it was network I'm lifting up everybody's windows and saying we're mad as hell and we don't want to take it anymore (laughs) and I'm trying to awaken I'm the town crier in this regard it is uh it occurs to me we don't have a really good example from the top. We did for eight years, I thought. I thought, you know, uh, an excellent we had some, uh, Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> much better than I am right now. But uh, <laughs> it's just, it's really strange that we have, okay, so our listeners are business owners, entrepreneurs, and there are people out there um, like Gary Vaynerchuk and others, business coaches, things like that. They're, they're, they're on the business side of it, the attention-getting side of it. And they're screaming at the top of their lungs how important uh, a podcast might be, if that's what they're talking about, or how important video is, how important communication that's going to require uh, entrepreneurs with no training and no awakening who are walking around <laughs> having abdicated, as you said, uh, but there be, and I think 
And there's a lot of pressure there. There's a huge, huge amount of pressure. Everybody listening to this show now knows that there is grand opportunity out there for them that they never had any other period of their lives to go out and make a really big impact, but the tools scare the hell out of them because it requires yeah. something. And I don't think they could put words to it like you are. And so I'm t- I want to use the show a little bit today to be able to help, uh, help them put words to what some of their resistance that's maybe subconscious is. And I think it has a lot to do with what you're talking about because they've never been given any confidence whatsoever in going out and starting a podcast with, and listening to their voice and worrying about what other people think about it and how they're delivering. And, and then video even complicates it more because now you've got the visual medium and they may be, you know, too worried about that end of it. And, and uh, you know, their delivery goes to crap in other areas like voice presence. So could you help me, just, you know, kind of oh, maybe elucidate that? It gives me chills, Jack. Thank you so much. You know, since I've had the privilege of knowing Gina over this last year and just what an integral, wise human being she is, and so sorry that she's not able to be with us today, but she has helped awaken me to this whole world that I've never really been part of in the JV culture, et cetera. And how extraordinary that one from the privacy and sanctity of one's home can theoretically make an extraordinary impact. But how do we do that? We believe that every public presentation from a 30-second interview to making a, doing a testimonial on a webinar or Doing a podcast is a presentation, but it is not. It is actually a performance. In my latest book, Vocal Leadership, Seven Minutes a Day to Communication Mastery, I, in one of the appendices at the back of the book, I have the root sources of key words. And the root source of the word presentation, present, literally means to introduce formally, to bring before the public. The root of the word performance, perform, simply means to carry out, fulfill, to do. We've misconstrued over the years these words and think that a presentation is authentic when in point of fact it's inauthentic. And a performance is the reverse of that. So I'm wanting us to understand what it takes to embody us. If I'm speaking with you right now, Jack, and I say... It's really my pleasure to be here with you today, Jack. Thank you so much for having me on your show. That's bogus. If I say in return, it's a real pleasure speaking with you today, Jack. Thank you for having me on your show. Now, we don't know why the first one didn't land, but it was literally only because the pitch was too high and I spoke too fast and my inflection went up at the end. Now, we don't know that. We just know we didn't like that. So one of the the principles of this work that I'd like your listeners to think about is first and foremost doing an exercise I call choosing your vocal and presentational persona. Choosing your vocal and presentational persona. 
The root of the word persona is an Etruscan root word, fursu. It actually means through the sound. One's identity is largely conveyed through the sound of a voice, and an opinion, broadly speaking, is created in three seconds. There is no warm-up time. So you answer two questions. One, how do I believe I'm presently perceived? The second question is, how would I truly like to be known? And it awakens us to an interesting reality. We actually have a choice. Then there's a deeper metaphor. Everything in life revolves around two things, to choose to do something or to choose not to do it. All that matters is how badly I want it. Even when I walk away, I made a choice. But in vocal awareness, we only care, does that choice empower us or disempower us? So your persona statement is how you want to be known. Then if you're in the internet community and you're wanting to do podcasts and you want to sell product via the internet, the next thing to do is practice. We think it's okay just to light up the airwaves and start talking because we're just being natural. When in point of fact, we're squandering an opportunity. So what I'd like people to do is write out the brand statement, write out a 30 second, what's called in journalism, a precis, P-R-E-C-I-S. What are people going to get from this podcast? What are, what am I wanting to say during this call? What am I selling? It's sort of like an elevator pitch for the 21st century. How we get it down, locked in and delivered time it takes to get from one floor to the next. Then, initially, if you're comfortable enough, practice it on video. If if you prefer, practice it on audio and listen back. One of the drills I say to all my students, about 60% of my work around the globe is on Skype or FaceTime. I said to a journalist yesterday, said, I don't care if it's 187 takes. I only want to see one. This is me maxing out, Mm -hmm. doing my very best. And so how do we do that? Well, let's begin by first asking, having begin, may I put you into the work a little bit, Jack, and your listeners into the work a little, or would you rather we do something different? Absolutely. No, this is great. So what I'd like you to do this, this work is called vocal awareness because awareness is the first step. So sit up nice and straight. Sit at attention. Now relax. And you notice the first thing you did was hold your breath. I never want you to sit up straight mm-hmm. and sit at attention. Rather, I want you to embody men and women of stature, feeling extraordinary about who you are and feel a thread pulling, and I actually have people pull this imaginary thread from three inches below your navel, that's where core begins, and pull that thread slowly, gracefully, taller, taller, right up through the middle of your crown chakra. But don't just stop there. Keep pulling slowly. 
And you'll notice the first thing your body does the second time is inhale. Watch what happens when and my I neck cracks a little. Mm, that's cool. And yeah, notice no, what happens. A little bit of chiropractic. <laughs> when, what happens, Jack, when I ask you to embody a man of stature? Just do that slowly and gracefully. And notice your internal and external space immediately quiet. Then, I don't know, one artist or one athlete who doesn't have rituals. And the ritual never changes. And the ritual always has a spiritual component. Focal awareness has seven rituals. Stature is preparation. The first ritual is simply to say thank you. Thank you. If you're an atheist or agnostic, thank you. Gratitude will suffice. I prefer to say thank you to God. Others prefer to say thank you to source. So within yourself, take in the thought silently of really embracing that thank you. And once again, the first thing your body did was inhale. And I'll leave out the second ritual for now. And the third one is about breath. So if I say to you, take a nice deep top of the morning breath. It's great to be alive. And exhale. And you notice your chest rose. And if I'd asked you to, you would have noticed your larynx and tongue flexed a little bit. This time... I don't want you breathing like that again. Instead, I want you to allow a slow, silent, conscious, loving breath. This will take five to seven seconds, and I'll guide you through it in just a moment. We're in stature. We thank source. And we slowly begin to breathe, allowing a loving breath, totally silent, deeper, Don't rush. Relax shoulders deeper. And exhale. In that time, the chest didn't rise. The intercostals, your ribcage expands, and the larynx and tongue relax. And your space internally, externally are quiet. When we put ourselves in stature, we thank source. We embody the second ritual, which we didn't do today. The first thing the body does is inhale. It's the body's way of saying, thank you for giving me permission to be me. I breathe in acknowledgement. Breath isn't only physical, it's also emotional. So breathing is really critical as we learn to embody ourselves. And we have a simple warm-up. Hmm. It's called finding the hub of the voice. I have much more elaborate ones as well, but this is a cliff note version of a very of a very helpful one. Our lips are together, and we gently hum, somewhat nasally, to help and strengthen the laryngeal muscles and enhance resonance. We never rush a breath. These are not calisthenics. This is art. So the breath is always slow, silent, loving, and it always takes five seconds. And I'll demonstrate another one. 
And where the pitch ends up, we begin speaking. Hmm. So let's do that together if you're up to it, John. When you're listening, please join in stature, thanking source, slow, silent, loving breath in five, deeper, three, deeper, two, and this nasal hum. Excellent. And where the pitch ends up, the phrase might be, when I speak, I need to be aware. In three, two, one. Jack? When I speak, I need to be aware. And now we say it again. That was so beautiful. See a period at the end of it and underline the last word. Three, two. When I speak, I need to be aware. Great. And that's the beginnings of making voice visual. So... When we prepare to do our podcasts and our create our internet sales video, this is how we begin to prepare. And it has nothing to do with perfect. It only has to do with excellence. And only has to do with giving you the opportunity to begin to understand how to be the best of who you're capable of being. Everything is about conscious awareness. Yes, Jack. <laughs> I was I was wondering when you were going to break the fourth wall of the obvious. Anybody who's listening, who's into mindfulness, uh, uh, meditation, <laughs> the similarity and and dead on on the nose uh, between what you just took us through and meditation and mindfulness and being present is crazy. I mean, it's it makes so much sense. And yet, I mean, there are people out there who say, go fire up Facebook Live, go fire up your podcast recording software, whatever it is, and just go. Don't hesitate. And what they're doing is probably from an honest place, which is uh, trying to get people to take action. But... <laughs> There, there are so many times, my goodness, I've been doing this for so long that I do that too. I just fire things up and I go and I don't take a breath. I have not been a very good uh, practitioner of any of these things. And as <laughs> soon as you took us through it, it, it made total sense. And I'm sitting there not smacking my forehead literally, but figuratively going, oh, my goodness. What a, I mean, yeah, I already just... feel different. <laughs> I did a TEDx presentation a few weeks ago. It'll be posted in a couple of weeks. And I took everyone through this exercise. I, I led them through this a bit. And then we ended at three quarters of the way through. We all did this. And 
we did a warm-up, pulling our tongues with gauze that I had given them. And, and the point is that I don't know one artist or one athlete who doesn't, even if we're just weekend warriors, we at least stretch our hamstrings a little bit. And everybody has to warm mm-hmm. up. But who warms up our chops? This is what we make our livings with is our voice. People ask me, what is your target market? I said, heck, I sell air. Everyone has to breathe and everyone has to communicate. And I own this space. This is mastery. And it's not complicated, but it is complex. What makes it complicated is us. But I really follow the Mm -hmm. keep it simple, sweetheart approach. We really keep it simple. And don't let ourselves get overwhelmed. You're a successful businessman. You and Gina do extraordinary work. And at some point in your career, you created a business plan and you have timelines and deliverables and all of that. But out here in this sort of wild west, as it were, do we do that? Do we create the same sort of structure to help us really understand what is possible? How do we max our success? When I, I don't like name dropping, but I sometimes use names to simply make a point. And years ago, I trained Tony Robbins. He's a motivational speaker. And Tony would refer to my seven rituals as pattern interrupts. Said to create a new pattern, you have to exaggerate behavior to break an old one. And this exercise is called a yawn side, this noisy one that sounds like a klaxon blaring. It's like yawning and sighing at the same time. And a number of years ago, after Emmett Smith's Hall of Fame speech, I was in the broadcast booth at the NFL Network in Canton, where the Hall of Fame is. And the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, came up to me and said, we've discussed this and we want you to train the commissioner. I never knew who the we was, but so an appointment was made for me to go and meet Commissioner Goodell. And it's like a Tuesday at 11. And I'm saying, and thanks, source, everything I just took you all through, including, huh. And if I worried for one moment what he was thinking of me, if I came, went into that space hoping you like me, my God, I'm sitting with the commissioner of the National Football League. I wouldn't even have been a snack. I would have been out in a nanosecond. Two and a half hours later, we'd begun to build such a meaningful relationship. He wrote the foreword for my last book. And it's such an honor because he's a highly integral human being, one of my favorite people. And I share this because we want to own our space. We don't want to get caught up in the white noise. And everybody has a POV, a point of view, but who's right? And I can talk just as fast as I want to talk, and I really can make a very, very dynamic point. But I got control over that. I can speed up and slow down and raise pitch and do all that other stuff. But for virtually everybody else, because speech is habit, we get caught up in it, and we can't shift gears. So I really want us to understand what it takes to be our best and really help your listeners 
have the courage, that word is heart, the heart to fulfill not just their dream, but their vision. I was speaking several years ago at one of my clients' events, and she, her moniker is America's Dream Coach. And I said to the hundred or so people in the room, I had a day with them. And with her in the room, maybe wasn't the most polite or respectful thing, but I said, I don't believe in dreams. Dreams have value, yes, but all a dreamer does is dreams. In my first book many years ago, I created a character I told him called the Pragmatic Visionary. The dreamer simply dreams, but the Pragmatic Visionary works to make the dream come true. So I want all my students, Mm. all my listeners to see themselves as pragmatic visionaries. I trained at Walt Disney Imagineering, the think tank that he created, trained there for 10 or 12 years. And and Walt coined a phrase back in the early 50s that said, if you can imagine it, you can engineer it. And so this think tank is called Walt Disney Imagineering. So today mm-hmm. in this call, I'm, I'm awakening your Imagineer. And then I'm saying to you, figure out what it takes to fulfill that vision. And then every single day, work to make it come true. I was at, I was at Quincy Jones' home I trained his family. Quincy Jones is an important composer, music producer, dot, 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 brilliant human being. I I was at his home a number of years ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago, and he told me a story that 10 years before President Obama, 10 years before President Obama was inaugurated, almost to the day, he said, He and Oprah Winfrey were sitting at Quincy's kitchen table, strategizing a run for the presidency. At that point, President Obama, I think, had barely become a state senator, let alone a United States senator. But conversation and strategy was already already being laid. So one of my paradigms to your listeners is that structure does not impinge, it liberates. Freedom without direction is chaos. So create structure, create discipline, timeline, deliverables. And when I, you know, just it's crazy how quickly this will begin to manifest when we integrate mind, body, spirit in everything we do and do the structure that I'm suggesting. Sorry, I go on so long, Jack. I, I, I truly a, apologize. I, <laughs> no, don't seem to be interacting no, I'm very sure much. You've... <laughs> well, it's just, I think it's a little bit of mesmerization, <laughs> mesmerizing. It's really, I'm just still astonished at how much uh, in, in this realm I and many, many people act completely. May I interrupt? It, like you said earlier. May yeah. I interrupt? Not to be rude, but because sure. I, you're allowing me to teach. Tell me that again, sure. whatever it is you want to say, and simply deliberately allow a four-second silent breath before you speak. And then every time you stop, see a period. 
and breathe again. What if I forgot what I was saying? <laughs> You're speaking about habit and your amazement. Ah, yes. <laughs> and just take your time to breathe. That's and then it. listen to I yourself. was thinking about yes, habit. And this yes. in this part of our lives, we operate very, very habitually. And start so key words you want to say. I'm, I'm wondering how it is that you go through your entire career thinking these athletes that are coming to me and these people who want to get into announcing and and uh, the sports arena after retirement sports. They're this is hard. They're they're so well-trained in every way for their sport. And to come to you to have a realization at the end of one part of their career and the beginning, hopefully, of their next, to be able to, 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 to realize that they're so untrained, they're so habitual. And they must know right away when you start working with them, they must recognize things that they'd been taught in their sport and that they had just woken up to the fact Mm -hmm. that they'd been habitual with their voice. Just must be amazing for you to see that over and over again. When you, when you give me your voice, you give me who you are. That relationship is sacrosanct. And this Super Bowl Sunday, a couple of weeks ago, I received a text early morning around 6 a.m. I wasn't there this year from, I trained the, there's a show in the NFL network called Game Day Morning. And I trained my team, Kurt Warner, Michael Irvin, and Steve Mariucci. And Mooch sends me this video of them doing their warm-up. And because they understand, even though Arthur isn't with them, they still have to do the work. And they actually, it wasn't just boilerplate. I've had some silly ones where they're on the floor. Oh, let's give Arthur some love kind of thing. But this one was legitimate, and <laughs> they did it really well. And because they understand that this helps them not just present better, this helps them be better. And when you just said this is difficult, you were also communicating more consciously, which is really cool. And I know it felt a bit, little bit like you were in a vice. And one of, the, one of the things I say to a statement such as you just made, this is difficult. I always add a conjunction, Jack. But look at the opportunities I'm now awakened to. Look at the possibility. When all I say is this yeah. is difficult, I just slam the door shut. And because all I feel is the burden or the effort. So the conjunction is really helpful. And for your listeners, you did a really thoughtful job letting some arrogant stranger interrupt your show. And I really appreciate that. And so <laughs> take a lesson, team. He, he's no, being an excellent mirror for you. One of the perks of the job is uh, free consulting. And I get help every <laughs> single week from all my experts in just the same way. That's and I great. love it. I soak it up. Uh, it's, it's really 
it's really interesting. Uh, it's already changing the way, I mean, I'm making plans in the back of my mind for what to do next, which is kind of weird because as a habitual uh, speaker, <laughs> I often really feel a lot more like I'm shooting from the hip. And I'm comfortable with that because that's just a habit that I've had all my life and it doesn't intimidate me. It's it's part of me. But I also realize it's grand limitations because I'm I'm not completely present. I don't feel as present as that would connote because it would seem that you'd be totally present if you're ready for any conversation to go in any direction or you tell yourself that. But I think I tell myself that a lot more than I actually practice that or it actually comes out that way. And this wonderful. And I can't believe that I've been practicing mindfulness and practicing meditation every single day for years. And it never occurred to me to apply a lot of that practice to my speaking. It's just kind of strange. Well, I, when you speak about mindfulness and meditation, I have a, prayer meditation practice that hasn't deviated in 51 years and begin every morning around 3.30 with prayer and meditation and don't miss a day. And traditionally, those of us who have a similar type practice, that's where it stays. And we go about our day. We go to yoga and do our asanas and we breathe and go about our day. But in vocal awareness, it's portable. I have routine for one minute before that important call. I have a, a dear client I haven't seen in several months. He was a senior, an EVP at ESPN for 25 years and until the last several months, and he left the company. I'm going to have lunch with him this Thursday. And when he first came to me, he has already clearly a very successful executive he had never written out a powerpoint presentation in his life and so the first town hall that we did together every word was written out verbatim it was annotated in visceral language and he read it from his mini ipad with about 50 slides went on that way for the next year and a half until he was at a board meeting at the hearst company and he didn't have a single piece of paper in front of him, no notes. And from that point on, every public presentation, we rehearsed over the weekend, or on the Monday, these, his events were often on a Tuesday, so that when he got up, all he had were the slides, and, and he presented with no notes, nothing in his hands, and became the storyteller that he was capable of being. That took a couple of years, but my goodness gracious, what an impact. So we have techniques in vocal awareness for your PowerPoint, for your public conversation, for conference calls, and also very important technique, I call it game film. One of my chairman of a, a foundation sent me in an email early morning yesterday about 5 a.m. prior to our 8 a.m. call that was a recording she just spontaneously put it on she was at an event and I heard her speaking 
And it was really important because it was game film of her being in the moment. And so record a conversation. Listen back. No judgment is allowed, however. You must deal lovingly, caringly, respectfully. This is process. It must be safe harbor. And it really contributed to a meaningful lesson, just 45 seconds or whatever it was that she sent me. It was great. I have a client running for the U.S. Senate. I'm sorry, Jack, yes? Oh, no, I was... Go ahead, please. That sounds better than what I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Will you remember what you wanted to ask? Oh, my, probably not, but I'll think of something else, too. I've got about 10. <laughs> and and I, she will be the next senator from this state. And the first thing I said to her in, over the telephone when we were first meeting was – I don't believe any campaign speech either side of the aisle. It's just all nonsense. Presentational stuff, and I'm doing what my communications director or my campaign director tells me to say, and it all just sounds totally phony and presentational. Hers, you believe. And sitting right next to the camera, conducting it. And it's so genuine. She's really talking with you not talking at you. She's not simply being a politician running for office. She's being a human being communicating as the woman she is. And it's, you might even make you tear up in the three minutes and 20 seconds or however long it is. So anyway, you had a question or 23. Yeah. I can't remember that one. With a better one now. Okay. Okay, but with a loving breath to set it up. <laughs> and then hear yourself. Hear yourself. Listen to your voice. Tell your story. See your words. And then remind me about the word hubris in a moment. Please. So, I was thinking, as you were talking, about how important this is. And not to use that word lightly, (laughs) with a capital I, important, meaning that if you know about human nature, and a lot of our people are students of human nature by, by virtue of the fact that we're marketers and we have to communicate in one way or another with our target audience, and we start to, as we go along, figure out certain traits of humanity and specifically the demographics that we're going after and we realize there are patterns and once you understand those patterns you uh, can turn the knobs and tweak some things about how you deliver your message typically through copy because people are usually intimidated by voice and, and video and and things. So the vast majority of us are talking about web pages and sales copy and and but if people are listening to this right now and not picking up on the idea that this what we're talking about today is so important to that. It's another knob, but it's a great big one. It's like a big red knob on the control panel of uh you know, of communication and how we 
interact with people really matters. And when you were talking about how she delivers, I could totally, totally could picture that. And it it triggered something in me, which is, I, I think, a common thing in humans. <laughs> and that is, I yearn for that. Uh, in a political situation uh, that we find ourselves in, all sides are really disingenuous. It, they, they feel that way to me, that everybody is in such a heightened sense of uh, needing to win. Uh, it, and this happens on the football field too. If you, get, if you try to hold that thing too hard, if you get too grabby, if you get too tense, you start to, in voice like me, I raise my pitch. And anybody can go back to any show and just click to the middle of the show, and there's more than a 50% chance you'll hear me in a <laughs> whole different register. And dogs could hear me from miles away. And in my excitement <laughs> with the guests that I'm – I don't have a guest that's putting the brakes on me at all. Uh, we're just in it. And and my voice goes way, way up and, and all that. And that's and I wonder, cool. I, I actually pay but a lot of attention to that. <laughs> But that's cool because it's genuine, but then you want to be able to shift gears and, again, right. make the conscious choice to return to your baseline. And yeah, some, I know we're getting close to wrapping up, and in my last book, pun intended, I arrogantly reframed the word hubris. It literally yes, means I was supposed blaspheme. to remind you of hubris. Yes, thank you. And it, it literally means blaspheming the gods or extreme arrogance. But in vocal awareness, it's a positive. If you ask a great artist, a great athlete, about their talent, to Arnold in his prime to deflect the answer would be foolish. To state the obvious is not a boast, it's the truth about his body, for example. Mm. But we get all these mixed messages throughout life. Oh, you shouldn't act like that. What will people think? Oh, don't say that. You sound arrogant. So in vocal awareness, I'm trying to help us unleash us by giving ourselves permission to be us, not to harm others, not to be disrespectful, dot, 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 but to claim our right to be ourselves without approbation. A number of years ago, I was speaking at Naropa University in Boulder. And while there, I had the privilege of meeting now the late Rabbi Reb Zalman Schachter. Reb, Reb Zalman was one of the more profound minds on the planet. I met him when he was in his mid-80s. And he had close relationships with people like the Dalai Lama, for example. And I was invited to his home for dinner Saturday night. And it was just four of us, his family and me. And prior to dinner, he took me into his study to study me. And I said, Rabbi, this is inappropriate. I'm here to sit at your feet. He said, I know of your work mm -hmm. and I'm studying your vibration. He said, evil is so entrenched in the universe, it can't be confronted head on, but only in the vibratory plane. So in my last book, near the end of it, I have a metaphor where we drop a rock in the water 
and it sends concentric rings across the surface of the pond, touching everything it comes in contact with. Well, voice is vibration. And as I say, I want us to own the power of that vibration because I want us to heighten the vibration of who we are. When I met the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi 50 years ago, he literally said, I want to have a billion meditators on the planet to shift the vibration of the planet. I want to have a billion people doing vocal awareness to shift the vibration. I want us to understand that we touch everyone we come in contact with, and that matters. I close all my seminars. And yes, Jack. I was just going to say, it, it change, it will, it does change the mood, everything. When you're present enough to just walk into a room, and it, I've 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 been able to affect people like without them knowing it, without them really being conscious of it. Right. And I've played with that. And I know that that's true. I know that's absolutely true. And I often dream about billions <laughs> of people that are conscious enough and present enough that that can happen. And if they've also got training like yours, if they are in front of people, wow, this is really, really great power to wield. I, I have a lot of respect for that power. And... I know we both have to go in a moment. I, so before we close, I did want to share one last thought that I close all my sure. public seminars with. I was going to bed in 1980 reading Quest magazine, and a thought came to me, and it wouldn't go away till it made me get up and write it down. The only paper I had was the cover of the magazine, which I framed and is on my studio wall today. The thought was that voice is the only artistic experience which is both finite and infinite at the same time. It is fallible and fragile, gone in an instant, unseen only felt, remembered from the past even a long moment ago, anticipated, sensing its future, even as its present is just occurring. It's temporal, visceral, organic, such a complex, simple, and the beguiling transcendent state. That's what came through about 10 o'clock one night. And I began over the next mm. few years really studying this from a voice science perspective, philosophically, psychologically, artistically. And one of the things I did was substitute another word for the word voice. Life is the only artistic experience which is both finite and infinite at the same time. Or love. Yeah. It is fallible and fragile, gone in an instant, unseen, only felt. And I came to understand the paradigm of this work, Jack, because vocal awareness is a paradigm shift. It's to enable us all to integrate life and love through the power of our voice, the integrity of who we are. Integrity, integration, same root source means wholeness. Being who we are, embodying that in full mindfulness and full conscious awareness truly making a difference because we are here no longer allowing ourselves to be the corks in our own bottle but claiming who we are because it is our right to do so beautiful 
well, I had a feeling this was going to be an amazing show, and I was right. And now I have a feeling that everyone listening to this podcast is going to want to go to vocalawareness.com, vocalawareness.com, and look up Arthur's books uh, and do everything that you can in your power to uh, get into this a little bit because uh, I am determined to get out of habit. And, uh, you know, I, I can't believe all the cool things that I have in my head that are that are coming <laughs> for me with a new podcast that I want to start on a different topic, uh, including this one. I'm not going anywhere. And, and it's just so timely. Also, that whole thing about the universe will give you exactly what you need at the moment you need it. <laughs> Maybe not what you want, but what you need. And today, this is what I wanted and needed. So, Arthur, thank, thank you so much for being on the show so today. You're so welcome. And, and a couple of months ago, I had the privilege of, through Gina, meeting Scott Patton. And so Scott has helped me create a number of Udemy courses, which are all up ah. and online now, and including a meditation course. And Scott's such a quality individual, as you probably know. And so that's just another oh, yeah. place to gather some vocal awareness training. Jack, it's been awesome. such a privilege to well, speak I, with you today. It really has been lovely. It's been my honor. This has been great. I am going to continue to uh, catch up on everything that is your long, long career and, and and all the people that you've helped. I can't believe we spent so much time and and we don't even talk about really the stars that much that you've I mean they're just the big personalities that uh, that you've helped over the years. But I think it's just the quality. It's just getting to the meat of this thing that is so important to people who are listening to this show who really, really need to hear what you have to say and what you have to teach. So once again, thank you so much for being on Leverage Masters. And I'd love to have you back anytime you want to come. I, anytime you want, we can do part two through 2300. You just let me know. God bless. <laughs> awesome. Well, everybody... That wraps bye up bye. this week's edition of Leverage Masters. Uh, thank you, Arthur. And we are going to see you next week with another great guest. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tell your friends about Leverage Masters. Uh, if you think that that's something that they would really get a lot out of, I think you, uh, I think everybody's just so awesome for participating and for sharing as much as you all do every week. Thank you so much for that. Gina will be better, and she'll be back next week, so we'll be both together again, and I don't have to push all the buttons and talk, which will be wonderful. But best thing is Gina's getting better. She's on her way back. So thanks again, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week on Leverage Masters. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.